My name is Sivia Cohen. I'm the founder of 14 Minds, a marketing agency that specializes in developing strategic campaigns that help nonprofit organizations connect with their audience. I've had the privilege of meeting some inspirational nonprofit leaders and doers who have devoted an untold number of hours to achieving their mission. Many of these incredible individuals have shared a similar frustration with me along these lines. No one knows what we really do, not even our own volunteers. It's so hard to explain all of our different services. People think our organization is a lot smaller than it is. That's why I created this podcast, to give non-for-profits a platform to share their mission with the world. I hope these conversations inspire you as much as they inspire me. Hi, everybody. Thanks for listening. Today, I am really excited to have with me Josh Arye. He is the founder of the nonprofit organization, Smiles Through Cards. He has over 100,000 followers on Instagram, and I'm going to let him tell you the rest himself. Josh, thank you so much for being here. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast. Okay, great. So tell me about Smiles Through Cards. Yeah, so Smiles Through Cards is a nonprofit organization. I started it about three years ago. However, I've been volunteering for more than a decade. I go dressed as Batman or with various exotic cars to visit sick and underprivileged children. And it really all started off because when I was younger, I had a passion for exotic cars. I love Ferraris, Lamborghinis, and those kinds of things. And even though I couldn't afford them, it was just something that I always wanted to have. You know, I loved seeing them in magazines or on the road or on the internet or just whatever. It always made me smile. And then as I got older, I started becoming friends with people that owned these exotic cars and they would just let me borrow them from time to time just to go home and enjoy them. And, you know, it's kind of like a big passion of mine. And one day I just had an idea. I said the same way that I grew up loving these exotic cars, there had to be some sick or underprivileged children that had the same want or wish to kind of see them or go on them and that kind of stuff. And I started calling up all different organizations saying, hey, my name is Josh Arie. I don't own these cars, but I have access to almost any exotic car in the world. If ever you have a child that really makes a wish or wants to go in it, let me know. And one day I got a call back that there was an eight-year-old girl battling stage four cancer, and her dream was to go into a Lamborghini. And I was like, perfect, this is it. So I called up someone in Great Nick that I knew that was able to give me the car, borrowed his car for two days. And this was the moment that changed my entire life. Like I openly say, like until that moment, my goal was to be Bruce Wayne. I did not want to be Batman. I wanted to be like a multi-billionaire, the biggest car collections, you know, the most amount of vacation homes and all that. And that's really what I was aspiring and, you know, hoping to have. But this moment with this visit changed my entire outlook on life. Um, I'll tell you about that. Yeah, I'll I'll describe like this situation. It was they, uh, they bring out this little girl in a wheelchair. She's looking down at the ground. She's all sad. And she looks up and she sees this bright yellow convertible Lamborghini parked in front of her house. Like the biggest smile on her entire face that like I've ever seen. And I put the top down We get her into the car, drive around for like 15, 20 minutes. They get her back into the wheelchair. They bring her into her house. And as soon as she gets into the house, the mother starts hysterically crying, like nonstop bawling. And this was the first time I truly had a one-on-one interaction with a child that was that sick. So I looked at the mother. I said, look, if I did something or said something offensive, I didn't mean it. You know, I thought maybe somehow I was insensitive or did something that, you know, without even realizing. And she said, no, she goes, you don't understand. She said, my daughter was diagnosed with cancer at the age of four. 
She's had over 20 surgeries. She got an infection, which caused her to become partially paralyzed, which is why she's in a wheelchair. She said, this is the first time I've seen my daughter smile in four years since she was diagnosed with cancer. Wow. And for me at that moment, I said, like, as much as I'm a car enthusiast and I love cars, but at the end of the day, it's just a car. And I said, if I could have such a big impact on a child or family's life with such a stupid thing, then I said, like, I don't care about any of the original goals and wants that I have. Like now my goals are to be able to figure out how to get these things and be able to use them for a greater purpose. Wow. And that's I don't of, even have any words. That is unbelievable. So yeah. from there, you kind of turn this into an official organization? Yeah, we're a, a registered nonprofit. And even that was something I didn't want to do. You know, it started off as a one-time favor. But then once I saw that impact, I said, you know, I want to do this more often. And the more often I do it, the more, I guess, like I grew on Instagram and social media and kind of really developed a following more than just people that follow the account, but believe in it, want to be a part of the mission because now we have hundreds and hundreds of volunteers in New York, New Jersey, Florida, California, Vegas, and other parts of the world. And like, we really just want to grow. So like something that started off as a one-time thing, like I personally have visited more than 25,000 children since I've started doing this. So like, it's really been the greatest passion in my entire life. Like not just the cars, but more so doing random acts of kindness. Like I saw how happy it makes me. And like, that's my true passion. Wow. That is unbelievable. So what is the scope of the services? People call you about, you know, a child who's interested in this and, and how do you work it from there? Yeah. So basically we get, you know, referrals either from hospitals, uh, any of this, their staff, or there could be support groups, Ronald McDonald House, previous families that we visited that are part of a network of other children that have similar illnesses. We've partnered with the police department and other agencies that refer children or through social media that people see the account or saw us in, you know, magazines or on TV or something. And they'll kind of send us a message either on our website or through my Instagram account and just tell us about that to a quote unquote, like I call it referring a smile and I'll write all the information about them. And it initially started off just visiting children that were sick. And then we kind of expanded to underprivileged children. And now we've added in even children that are being bullied because bullying is a big deal right now or siblings of someone, right? If, if you have a child that's sick and there are other siblings, the siblings suffer also. So we kind of don't discriminate against siblings also, or if a parent is sick or special needs, autistic, like we kind of expanded what we initially started off at to include so many others, because there's no reason why they don't deserve to smile as well. You know, or it could even be as simple as I go shopping and I'm in the Lamborghini, let's say, and I'm going to pick up toys for the kids. And, you know, and I'm in the parking lot and there are a bunch of kids that are looking at the car. Like, I'll let them go in the car and take pictures. Like, I'm not going to say no to someone because they're healthy, right? Like, everyone deserves a reason to smile. So we could be the reason why that happens. Like, we want that to be. And that's kind of the purpose of the cars. And that's why we called the organization Smiles Through Cars, because, like, the cars are one of the reasons why we enable people to smile. That's amazing. So I have to ask, how does Batman fit into all this? So Batman came in actually in 2012, because I started doing this, let's say somewhere between like 2006 and 2008 was the first time that I started visiting people with the exotic cars. And then in 2012, I heard about this guy in the news. His name is Lenny Robinson. 
Jewish guy lived in Baltimore and he would go dressed up as Batman in a black Lamborghini to visit sick children in hospitals. And basically he was driving his car and he got pulled over by a police officer because the cop was kind of like, what the heck is going on? <laughs> right. Like, and pulled him over and this video went viral and I heard about it. And I was like, that is so amazing. Like it made me so happy to know that there was someone else in the entire world using their exotic car for a greater purpose. Right. Like it's nice to have these yeah. exotic cars, but like at the end of the day, like I said, it's just the car. Right. And if you could use it for something greater than yourself, it makes it even more special to own. And that's really it. So when I heard about that, I loved what he was doing. And then unfortunately in 2015, so three years after that, he was on the way back from the hospital in his black Batmobile, black Batman costume, broke down on the highway and got out of the car and a car didn't see him and unfortunately hit him and he died. Oh my gosh. Wow. And I'm not expecting that. Yeah, it was absolutely horrible. And although I've never had the privilege to actually meet Lenny, what he was doing had a big impact on me. And I loved his mission. But unfortunately, his life was taken too quickly. And I said, I want to continue his legacy, even though I've never met him or anything of that sort. And that's when I decided to become Batman as well. And then simultaneously, almost the same timing, I got a request from a child through another organization who was turning five years old and on his fifth birthday, he was going to be home from the hospital in between his chemo treatment. And his dream or wish was to meet Batman. And I was like, this is, I mean, like the same timing that this guy passed away is the same time that this child for the first time ever is requesting to meet Batman. So I was like, perfect. Like I went out, I bought a Batman costume and all that, but the second part of the child's wish was to meet Batman in a Batmobile. Oh my gosh. I was like, where is he? You can't, borrow a Batmobile, right? Till now, like if kids made a wish for a Ferrari, Lamborghini, Rolls Royce, McLaren, like whatever car it was, I was pretty much able to borrow it or I was spending money to rent them, right? Like there were summers where we, no joke, like we spent like 50, $60,000 in one summer renting exotic cars to make the dreams come true for the kids of like exactly what they wanted. And the kid wished for a Batmobile and I was like, well, I can't find one. So I was able to find this body shop in Oceanside. It was called Impressive Auto Body. And they actually wrapped the car and they made it like nice, shiny black. And they put on like Batman decals and they blacked out the rest of the car and they put on Batman carpeting and they made the car louder. Like they did all these things, tinted the windows, like they did a lot to make it into a quote unquote makeshift Batmobile. And then I, I visited this child. And, you know, when I went, I thought the kid knew I was just some random guy coming in a costume to meet him, you know, so I pull up to the house and the child's waiting there with his own Batman mask and he quickly runs out of the house and he gets there and I get out of my car and I kneel down and I said, hey, what's your name? And I don't know, let's call him Jacob. I said, hey, Jacob, you know, do you know my name? And he said, yeah, you're Batman. You know, I was I was about to tell him my name. <laughs> it's a good thing you didn't. <laughs> yeah. And he like looks at me and he's like, yeah, you're Batman. And wow. I was like, yeah, I guess I am. Like I wasn't in that mindset. But then the next part of the thing threw me off completely. And he looks at me, he goes, wait, where's Robin and the rest of the justice? Oh my gosh. And I did not have an answer because I was not in that mindset at all. Like I completely froze. Like I completely was just staring there, not saying a word to this kid. I am like completely baffled. I'm like, I, I don't know why my whole brain shut down because I was not thinking. I thought he knew I was a guy in a costume. I'm there. And like, I've never done this before. So like, I didn't have any thoughts or anything. I didn't know what to expect. And like a couple seconds later, the kid looks at me and he goes, 
wait, if you're here visiting me, they got to be out saving the world. And I'm like, yes, exactly. Oh my God. That is the cutest thing I've ever heard. Oh, wow. I guess and now you're more prepared with the end. Now I'm totally prepared and I know all that and I'm ready and I'm there. But like that first visit, I was totally not in that mindset at all. That is awesome. <laughs> that is really an awesome story. Wow. Amazing. Okay. So let me ask you this. I mean, obviously what you do is incredible. What would you say is the most satisfying or the most inspirational part of what you do? Which part do you enjoy the most? Definitely. So I'll give you like two just specific stories that occurred out of like literally the thousands and thousands that we've done. One of them was a couple of years ago, because unfortunately, a lot of the children that we visit do pass away. You know, we go for their final wish. You know, the final wish is to meet a superhero, to go into an exotic car, to have an experience. Like we do a lot of that stuff, which is extremely unfortunate to be a part of that. Like it really tears me apart. But at the same time, it's, you know, great to be able to be there for them and make that happen for their final wish, you know, for a child, something that no child should ever have to do. But unfortunately, some do. And we try to make that happen. And we met this girl in a hospital. She was battling cancer and she was going to be discharged on hospice care because the doctors gave her a short period of time left to live. About a seven-year-old girl with a single parent, only child in the family, like really tough. And, you know, she had a couple of wishes. She wanted to get married. She wanted to graduate school, middle school, high school, et cetera. And she wanted to become a police officer. And we were able to, you know, because we partnered with different police precincts and all that, we were able to make her a special ceremony where she was sworn in as an honorary police officer. And we made her her own uniform with her own badge and everything like that. We made her a mock wedding where she got married to someone married. You know, we had, we had an aisle and a DJ and we had everything for her as if it was a mini wedding. And we were able to go to her high schools within the district and get her a diploma for middle school and high school. And it was presented wow. to her by actually the principal of the school. And more than, I got to say, probably more than like 60, 50 to 60 police officers and fire department people attended the event for her to honor her in for these things. All three occurred on the same time. And it was wow. amazing. And after that, unfortunately, she had a very short period of time left to live to the point that one of my amazing volunteers, her name is Yesenia, she actually sat with the mother and the child and planned the funeral. I mean, literally sitting with the seven-year-old girl planning her own funeral. And we still wow. have the writing of what she wanted. Well, we could fast forward now to, let's say, 2020. Last summer, I made a pool party only for the children and their families to come because obviously because of COVID and everything. So it was close to the public. It was only the families and Every single family has been in quarantine since last year. So we know that nobody's a carrier and anyone that attended got the PCR COVID test right before and then had the quarantine before. So like we went through like really strict to make sure it happened. Well, this child was at the event and she is now 100% cancer free. <gasps> oh my gosh. And like, it's just so being a part of this, there's wow. a lot of sadness. I'm so happy that had a happy ending. Oh my but God. But at the same time, like there's so wow. much that we see. And like, it made me so happy to see her in the backyard, jumping in the pool, going swimming without any needles or ports or machines or any tubes or anything attached to her. Like she was a normal, healthy child to the point that like we were having a barbecue and all that. And she walked, walks up to me and she kind of pokes me in the stomach and she goes, hey, Batman, you got to start going on a diet or getting yeah. fat. You know, and it made me so happy to see her because like, 
a couple of years ago, she was in bed, so frail, so weak and so much pain, you know, all of that. And then seeing where she is now, like, thank God she's a normal, healthy child and made a complete 180. And it's just to be a part of these things. Like it inspires me to see the things that these children are overcome. That's you know, amazing. Uh, yeah. Wow. So you get to do a lot of inspirational work, but I'm sure it's not all picture perfect and fun and games. What would you say your biggest challenge is in running your organization and how do you work to overcome it? Definitely. So I think some of our biggest challenges has been, I guess, spreading awareness about like what we do and who we are, you know, because we keep also changing our mission to include new people, new this, new that. And because our goal is really to not just do a one-time visit, right? A lot of organizations do a one-time visit and they do it and they're fulfilled and they're out. Like there are children that I've been visiting for more than a decade and we continuously visit them. Like there are some we've gone to the hospital like every week or every other week to visit the same child over and over and over because the children need it. So I think the biggest challenge really has been like spreading awareness. But, you know, I think countering that really has been just being authentic because that's the most important part of, you know, social media and everything that you're going to be doing. It's being you instead of trying to replicate what everyone else is doing. You have to kind of figure out your own path and do it regardless of what you have, right? Like I know you mentioned earlier, we have a hundred thousand, I think now we're up to like 115, 116,000 followers on Instagram. And that's really because of what we're doing is just people see it and they see the authenticity behind it right? It's not just a visit. It's the love and care that goes into it. It's the repeat of the visits and the volunteers that are part of it, right? Like I might be the founder of it, but I'm only as great as the support that I have around me. I have an amazing, amazing team of people that truly love and care about the children. And I think that's the number one thing that we look for when we look for volunteers. It's not about the car that they drive, right? You don't have to own an exotic car in order to be a part of our organization. You have to want to be there for the children because this isn't about, you know, being there and having fun and going with the cars. I mean, you know, when you're going to visit a kid at times, it will have literally almost a hundred exotic cars driving, right? Imagine you're on the highway with a hundred Lamborghinis. Like there are elements that are fun to it, but it's not about the highway. It's about showing up for the children when you get there and making sure that that moment is like the goal that I have when I show up to a child's house or hospital or outpatient center, wherever we're going it's, I can't cure the illness, but for that period of time, right, whether I'm there for one minute, half an hour, an hour, five hours, whatever that amount of time is, for that period of time to make that child and family forget about the illness and to just act and feel like a normal, healthy child. Like I can't cure them, but I can make them feel like a normal child just for that little bit for the parent to see the child laughing, to see the child playing, to see the child acting like the child that they had before the child was diagnosed with that illness. And that's really the goal of every visit that we do is just to bring that glimpse of, if you want to call it like normalcy, you know, to feel like a normal, healthy child, and then to be there for them, like throughout the whole process. That's really what we try to do. So that's been that. And then I guess also like trying to, you know, find the balance with getting donations, but not continuously asking for donations because I don't want to bother people and say, Hey, do you want to donate to the organization? It's actually something that we've never done because I don't want to be the person that does that. So it's kind of just been that people that wanted to support us have done it. Or we tried to do like corporate partnerships instead. So we get corporations that need a tax write-off versus needing to ask like 
Wow, that's so smart. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. That's, that's an amazing solution. I would not have thought of that. Yeah. That's like such a great, have you ever gotten any of the exotic car companies to sponsor? Cause that would oh, be cool. I actually have one company. It's in Hewlett, New York. They're called ASAP restoration. No, I mean, um, I live right near there. <laughs> oh, really? oh yeah. So they do yeah. fire and flood restoration. So if someone has like a fire or a flood in their house, they're the ones that go in and do the repair and then they do it through the insurance company. So they build the insurance company. And I met someone about a year and a half ago. He's one of the partners in that company through one of my volunteers, actually. And it's it's crazy because, you know, the volunteer messaged me a couple of years ago and she said, look, I want to volunteer. I'd love to come through, but I have a minivan. And I said, OK, and like, what's your point? She goes, but I don't own any exotic cars. I really can't do what you're doing. And I said, well, do you want to be there for the kids? Like, do you have a, a kind heart? And she goes, of course. I said, well, that's all we need. I said, you don't have to have a car to be a part of this. Like you're coming. And she started attending our events, like literally with her minivan. I said, come, I don't care if you show up to the house in a minivan. Like it's not about the car, right? I'll bring the Lamborghini. You come to be there as the female authority to be there for the child, right? That's what it's about. Cause right now we're visiting a female child. And a lot of times girls want to see girls. They don't want to see a boy, right? So they don't want to see Batman. They want to see a princess. They want to see some sort of a female. So you're actually doing a better favor than I am by bringing yourself than I am to bring the Lamborghini. And she started coming to events and she said, look, I have this friend who owns that company. Like I said, ASCP. And she said, you have to meet him. He's got a heart of gold and whatever. And I met this guy and he loved what I was doing. He's always wanted to give back. And he actually donated a Lamborghini Aventador and a Rolls Royce Wraith. Uh, wow. Door. Yeah, he no donated way. them to the charity because he's like, look, I've loved these cars and the Lamborghini was in his garage and he gave it to me. He's like, look, here's the title. I'm signing the title over to your name. And the same thing with the Rolls Royce. He wrote out a check and said, here you go, go buy the Rolls Royce. Like it's yours for the charity. I want the kids to have it. It's not for me anymore. So I haven't been sponsored by Lamborghini, but <laughs> not I yet. end up getting the Lamborghini. And a that Rolls-Royce. is incredible. Wow. Oh my gosh. Yeah, because of him. So he's like such an amazing person. And he doesn't want me to say his name, but he said we could talk about the company because he's just like, I'm just really a simple guy with a big heart. And those are the kinds of people that I try to, you know, stay around and bring into the organization because that's really all we are. You know, it's just random acts of kindness make a difference in people's lives. And cars are one of the ways that we figure out how to do that. It sounds like you are making a huge difference. So I think that leads me right into my next question. If you could say one day, we have achieved our mission, because I know you're working very hard to do that. What does the world look like when you've achieved your mission? Honestly, like people say, what would be my dream? My dream would be to never, ever, ever receive a phone call of a child in need of a visit. Like I love being there for them. Like, don't get me wrong. Being there, like my team is there 24 seven. Like who, whenever you need someone, someone's going to be there. But I wish there wasn't a need and we were just visiting healthy children just to make them happier. Wow. Not to just be there to find that happiness, but the happiness is already there and we're going to enhance the happiness. Not that we're there to create it. And for the first time, a parent's going to see their child smiling in years or, you know, I can't tell you how many times parents have either cried on my shoulder or just told us like, Hey, what you've done, you know, to make me see my child laugh or jump or smile or play or anything like, you know, for, for someone that's a parent to hear that, like it's the worst thing in the world because any parent wants to see their child happy, right? No matter what it is, they always want their kids to be happy and healthy and all that. So my wish or goal 
would be to never be needed. And this organization would cease to exist and we would just go out and visit people because they just want to see an exotic card, not because they need a smile. I love that. Wow. That's amazing. So here's another theoretical question for you, but maybe it will come true one day. If one day somebody handed you a blank check and said, you can fill in any amount of money and do anything you want with this money, what would you do with it? And how much would you write it out for? (laughs) The amount I would have to figure out, but I would literally, because now what I'm doing, and I have like an amazing team right now behind me that's really guiding me on what to do and helping me with the decisions and the advisory board and all of that. And like one of them, his name is John Legier. He's the CEO of T-Mobile. So he's quite smart. Um, and he's been around nonprofit Don Carmazian from the Triple Five Group. They own like the Mall of America, West Edmonton. Yeah, sure. Dream, all that, you know. So I have a lot of successful partners that are absolutely brilliant and that also have hearts of gold, right? It's not just about the money that they have. It's the fact that what they do with their money and how they do it, right? So the amount that I would need, I don't know. But what I would want to do and what I'm started doing is building this similar to a business model, right? We're not looking to profit from it. Like I actually, I don't get a salary from this. All the money's gone back to the kids. No one in the organization at this point gets paid. Everything's for the children. So it's really a nonprofit where everyone's- Wow, that's amazing. So the point is what we're doing now is we're building it out with the business mentality in the sense of like a one-year plan, a three-year plan, a five-year plan, a 10-year plan. And also similar to that, we're building out, quote unquote, like a franchise model. So we're not selling it like a franchise, but essentially we're building it out similar to like, let's say the guy that opened up the first 7-Eleven location, right? And at least you want to open another and another and another. I would love to have this idea, this concept of what I've done in every city across the world. Like, I don't want it just US-based. I want to do this throughout the world of teams of people in every community doing random acts of kindness. Because I truly believe it could have a huge impact on the world. So the amount of money I would need to do that, I'm not sure. But it would definitely be a lot of money. A lot of money. (laughs) Build that out and just create the world to be a, a better place. Because you don't know. Like I always say, a kind deed, a small kind deed is something that's done to someone else. Right? It's the person that's receiving that kind deed. To them, it could be the biggest deal in the world. You think that by holding the door open, saying good morning, right? Let's talk about things that don't cost money, right? Because I receive tons of messages on the Instagram, let's say literally hundreds of messages a week saying like, look, I love what you're doing, but I don't own a Ferrari. I don't have a Lamborghini. I don't have this. I can't do any random acts of kindness. I'm like, look, what we were doing started way before we had money right? didn't start with the Lamborghini. Like that first visit was the Lamborghini, but I borrowed it. I didn't own it. Right. And I was always doing other random acts of kindness before that. That wasn't my first kind deed in the world. You could hold the door open, say good morning, pay for a cup of coffee for the guy behind you. If you see a homeless person, maybe buy them a cup of coffee and just say, you know, here you go, you know, good morning, like treat them like a human being, right? These random acts of kindness go a long way. And there's actually like an amazing story that I heard of, you know, there was this guy working, I think it was in a meatpacking factory and the night shift guard came in to, you know, switch shifts with the day shift guard and, you know, take over. And the guard goes, look, I can't leave yet. And he goes, what do you mean you can't leave? He goes, let's call him Jacob. He goes, Jacob didn't leave the building. He goes, what do you mean? He goes, something is wrong. I need to go look. And he's like, how would you know that there's hundreds of employees in this factory why would you notice that there's one person that didn't leave? Like, how do you know something is wrong? He goes, just you stay in your shift. I'm going to go walk around and I'll be back. He said, okay. 
So the day shift guard walks around through the whole factory. He's going through and he gets to the back and the back of the factory is where they had this huge, huge freezer, like gigantic. That's where they would, they would keep all the meat. And as he's getting closer, he kind of hears like a banging on the door. And he's like, what is that banging? And he gets, it gets louder and louder until finally he gets to the door and he opens it up and he sees this guy, Jacob is in there and he's, you know, slamming on the door is calling for help. And he gets Jacob out of the freezer. And obviously Jacob is freezing and, you know, says, Jacob, what happened? He goes, look, I was finishing my shift and I was taking the last batch of meat. I'm bringing it into the freezer like I normally do. And I get in and the door shuts behind me, which is fine. You know, they have a handle on the inside. Like that's normal. There's a handle on the outside and the inside in case that happens. For some reason, the handle broke and it wouldn't turn and he couldn't get out of the freezer. Oh and they said if the, night sh- if the guard didn't find him, he would have frozen to death overnight. So they said to the guard, they said, look, how did you know that Jacob didn't leave, right? There's hundreds of employees in this entire company. How is it possible that you notice one person, right? Like It's not like they had a, a key card to go in and out. He just noticed that this guy didn't walk by. And he said, look, he goes, this is the only person in the entire factory that when he came in in the morning, he would say good morning to me. And when he would leave, he would say good night. And he didn't say good night to me today. So I knew wrong. And it was something as quote unquote simple as saying good morning and good night is the reason why he's still alive. So you never know what a small random act of kindness could do. Like a lot of times we don't see that ripple effect. But the impact that it could have to the person that it's being done to and for is much greater than you think. And that's why I always say, like, kindness is free. It's something that everyone can afford to give. And that's really the most important point. Like, when I started this, I couldn't really afford to donate lots of money. And that's why I decided to call up organizations to use that Lamborghini to visit a kid. Because I said, I can't donate my money, but I can donate my time. And then that kind of was the reason that led me to get to this point of where I am. Like I wouldn't be who I am today if it wasn't for that random act of kindness at all. So like more than I thought I was having an impact on that child's life, right? Like, thank God I was able to be the reason why the parents saw the child smile for the first time in years. But that impact that it had on me was the reason why I was able to visit 25,000 other children and change my entire goal and life's outlook. Like I wouldn't be who I am right now if it wasn't for that child. So more than I helped them, they actually helped me because I just would have continued on my path of wanting to be a billionaire. And yes, I've always had the, I guess, need to do random acts of kindness and stuff, but there's no way it would have been on the magnitude that I'm doing it now. So like they've actually helped me more than I've helped them. Wow. That's incredible. So if somebody does want to get involved, who can they contact? Sure. So I guess they could message us on Instagram if they want, which is Batman Real Account, or they could reach out to us on our website, which is smilesthroughcars.com. And they could just send us a message either to volunteer, make a donation, refer a child, ask questions, any of that sort. Amazing. Okay. So I'm going to leave you with one final question. If there is one thing that you would want the world to know, this is your opportunity to tell the world one thing about your organization, about what you're doing, what would that message be? Sure. So I think one thing that's truly unique about the organization is the fact that 90 to 95% of the volunteers in my organization either have an illness or have a family member that had an illness. Like a lot of the volunteers are some of the parents of the children that I visited. 
you know, like one of them, I met her in Manhattan a couple of years ago and I visited. It's a single mother of three children. Her youngest child, who was a two-year-old, was battling cancer, which was horrible. And financially, she was in a really bad place and mentally and everything was going wrong. And I kind of went in for as a first time visit and treated them like they were my best friends. And I was there for them, went back many, many, many times. And she just saw the impact that we had on her family. And thank God now her daughter is cancer free as well. She was blind in the eye when I went there. And now she regained her eyesight. And she's one of the most energetic kids. We call her Feisty Fifi. (laughs) The mother calls her. And she's just such an adorable little child. Now she's about almost about five or six years old. And the mother is just so appreciative for what we did. And she's one of the main people in the organization. So I think what truly makes us unique is it's built up of a team of people that understand what the other side is feeling, right? Like even myself, you know, one thing that I don't talk about as much is I did have a younger sister who randomly got sick. And unfortunately, she passed away within seven days. Wow. I'm so sorry. That's so sad. She was studying in Israel for the year and she came home for uh, Passover And at first she had like a little bit of a cold, like it was, you know, okay, she has a cold. Thank God she was a healthy person until then. No, no medications, no allergies, nothing. But what actually was going on was she had a staph infection. Wow. But because she was so healthy, her body was fighting it. And the doctors weren't sure of what it was. They thought it was a random cold until, you know, unfortunately she really had severe breathing problems. One morning I woke up, Hatsalo was in my house and You know, I remember waking up to the sound of the radios and all that. And I saw a lot of paramedics were there and all that. And they took her to the hospital because she's starting to turn blue. And seven days later, she died and uh, staph infection. So, you know, I've been on the other side of this as well. I know what it's like to be in the hospital praying and hoping for a loved one to feel better. And unfortunately, it didn't happen for my family. But, you know, if I could try to be there to help ease that tension and pain for the other families and try to make that process easier because thank God my family is very close. I do have a good support system, but a lot of people don't. And that's kind of why we wanted to do this. It's we want to be there for the children and the families during their times of despair and be the light. And, you know, I think that's why having a lot of volunteers that have gone through similar situations can truly, you know, empathize with what the families are going through because it's not just about the cars. It's about really being there for them and helping them through these tough times. And, you know, like every child we've ever visited, like I'm friends with the family. It's not a one and done. Like They have my cell number or other volunteers and we all keep in touch. Like we sound like a one-time thing. And then even the children and other families become friends because it's one huge support group. So I think that's one thing I'd love for people to know about it. And just to, you know, keep in mind that throughout life, you can't control the cards that you're dealt, but you can control how you choose to play those cards. You know, that's why I talk openly about my younger sister. And, you know, when I was younger, I was bullied in school as well. Like I've had a lot of issues. And I think it's just important to know that like sometimes your darkest moments enable you to become the light for others going through that similar situation and just try to stay strong and get through them and just know that like you're really not alone. And it's the hardest times to help define who we are. You know, everyone loves when life is easy, but you know, it's really the failures and the hardships that really help define and shape us to become a better person. And it's easier said than done, but I truly believe it's important for people to hear. And that's just, you know, one thing I would love to leave off with that. So thank you so, so, so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for doing this. This was like, I have no words for how inspirational that was. So I I really appreciate you taking the time. Of course. All right. Thank you so much. Have a great day. 
Thanks for listening to this episode of the Change the World podcast. If you have any feedback or comments, or if you are a nonprofit leader who is interested in learning more about how 14 Minds can help you, I'd love to hear from you. You can reach me by email at sivia at 14minds.com. For more nonprofit content, follow me on LinkedIn or visit 14minds.com to subscribe to our mailing list.